Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Packer Fanatic Podcast. My name is Bryant. Welcome to a brand new episode of Packers Football. My name is Bryant once again, and I'm here joined with a special guest, a good Packer buddy of mine, Nick Fargo. How are you doing today, Nick? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. It's been a while. You know, we caught up a little bit before the podcast and stuff. But let's go ahead and recap um, from week one as the Packers faced NFC North rival, the Minnesota Vikings. What were your initial reactions before the game? What were you thinking? And then afterwards, what were your thoughts on the Packers' performance? All right. So I was kind of wondering um, how this game would go because there were tons of unknowns. Um, Like we're implementing more of what Matt LaFleur's vision for this offense was, and we didn't really get to see it in action really because there was no preseason. So we were going to go into this kind of blind and um, I expected to see a lot more runs than we did, but there was a bunch of passing and um, Rogers just shined on uh, Sunday. Totally. Yeah. He, he had one of honestly one of the best games I've seen him have in, in quite a while. And, and going back on what you said, the preseason games is what really um, excites the fans. You know, th- whether it's your your first pick in, in, from the draft or, you know, whatever it is, that's what really pumps us up. And, and this year, you know, with the COVID situation, it really took a toll on us fans. And I know the rookies coming into, uh, you know, their teams, it, it took away from them to shine. And it was hard for teams also to make, uh, you know, cuts because the preseason wasn't there. So, um, I think it, it really helped out the offense as well. This is the second year that Matt LaFleur is coaching the, the offense. And I think after week one's performance, I think we're going to see something really spectacular from this offense moving forward. But um, what were your thoughts after the game? I mean, I know we talked about Rodgers' performance, but who's like, what was your initial reaction with the offense and who were players that stood to you the most? Um, obviously, we got to talk about Devontae Adams. He tied his personal best with uh, 14 catches. Um, and that also ties a franchise record as well. Yes. And and he had two touchdowns, if I'm correct. Yeah, he had two. He could have had three. He could have. Yeah, yes. he should have had three. But ah, man, Rodgers could have had like at least six or seven touchdowns in that game. If we're being honest, there wasn't oh, yeah. Adams dropping one. Uh, Lazard, you know, tripping over his own feet. You know, he could have had at least seven or six touchdowns, but. Uh, go ahead, man, uh, about the offense. Um, tell you about the offense, just like what I thought of it in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what would you think about the offense and and how, like... It just, you- it just seemed to click, really. Like, and you there know, were... You know what's crazy is that usually it's the defense that is in, how would you, like, in sync. And the offense is what really, like, struggles. And the defense would be the one that would win us the game. But in this situation, it seemed like the offense was clicking in all cylinders. Yeah. um, And it might have to do with the youth of the Vikings' defense. They were short a lot of players. Um, Daniel Hunter was out. Um, They don't have uh, Linval Joseph. Everson Griffin is in Dallas. Um, And their secondary is so young. But... In the end, they still had their great safety tandem in Anthony Harris and um, 
Harrison Smith. Right. And they still have one of the better linebackers in the game in uh, ooh, uh, Eric Kendricks. Exactly. And don't Anthony Barr was in that game, too. You know, he had his little moments and stuff. But, you know, one of the things I want to touch upon is that the Vikings were still four-point favorites to win this matchup. And a lot of people slept on this. Um, they, they thought, you know, Yannick would, would have a ball-out game. But going back on that, you said that, you know, that Vikings defense was inexperienced. There were young players. You know, most of the key players departed, like Xavier Rhodes. Um, Yannick really didn't have much time to really prepare for, um, you know, coming back into the NFL. I think he was gone for a while once he left uh, Jacksonville and was pretty much awaiting in with, their own, with no preseason preseason didn't really help him either but um what was your thoughts on the defense man because you know we had the offense just clicking off cylinders what was it that you expected or or you want to talk about about the defense um obviously we're gonna talk about the elephant in the room surrendering 34 points um most of those points were scored in the fourth quarter when it looked like that we were just running away with this right and and Again, it goes back to the offense, which I, and it's not just the performance of the players. It, it was the strategy. Matt Lafleur had a great strategy coming into this game. He wanted to control the clock, which he did big time. And um, defense was able to make the plays when they needed to. And um, honestly, um, Jair Alexander made two really crucial plays in this game. He had that safety on Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. And then he also had that interception as well. He's really turning into a star player in this league. And that was a big-time play. I, you know, we we were going back and forth on Messenger, and we're just like, you know, we need a big play here. Kirk Cousins, I mean, he's not the greatest quarterback. We know that. But he is clutch in certain moments. And sure enough, I mean, Jair came in clutch as well, and he showcased that he can make plays. And I, I was really happy in those in those key moments as well. Yeah, and honestly, people are wondering why we didn't kick a field goal and we went for it on fourth down. We were at the one-yard line. Even if we don't get it, they're backed up and a safety is possible. Exactly. And lo and behold, that's what happened. Exactly. That's why I wasn't really stressed about, you know, uh, getting the ball back. I I mean, I figured, you know, something was going to happen, whether it was a sack but it was an interception for a pick six. I, I, I felt something good was going to happen. Sure enough, Jair was there and made that play. It's honestly kind of a win-win situation if you think about it. If we had gotten that fourth down, it's a touchdown. Hooray. And then if we didn't, they're pinned back. Exactly. And they're like you said, they're at the one-yard line, which they were. So, Yeah. So Jair Alexander um, – gets my game ball when it comes to defense for sure. Although Zadarius Smith had a good sack. He did. Um, but been a but, but um I do have to say that you could really tell a difference in the run defense once Kenny Clark was out. Oh big time. Big time. That's one of the things we're gonna hop into next. Uh but I do want to say one more thing and it will hop into that next topic. Shout out to Rashawn Gary. A lot of you Packer fans are sleeping on Rashawn Gary. From the moment we drafted him, everyone said he's a first-round bust. But this guy led the defense in the most pressures. Yeah, that was very impressive. He's been tearing it up in camp from what I was hearing. So good to see him 
really progressing. And I think he's going to have his moment here. Uh, he almost had a sack. I think he tripped over uh, one of the offensive line's foot. But, you know, his he, was act- he was actually right in uh, Cousins' face when Jair got that sack for a safety. Exactly. So, you know, who knows? Maybe he could have got a sack there himself. But let's go ahead and talk about the injuries, man, because the Packers right now are dealing with a lot of key injuries on both sides of the on the football, whether it's the offense or defense. But let's go ahead and touch up on defense since we're already here. Kenny Clark went out in week one against the Vikings, which looks like a groin injury. Um, he hasn't really been practicing. This is his second consecutive day missing um, practice. So, what are the initial thoughts here? Well, my initial thought is, why haven't we called up Damon Snacks Harrison? You know, I I, I thought the same thing. You know, I, I, I'm not sure if it's cap space that we're struggling with. Uh, you know, I know we made some signings with some people. I forgot their names, but... Dalen Mack, I guess, yeah. Dalen Mack actually got released, which is something I wanted to talk about. Oh, Wow. That's what I said. I, this guy would have been a great addition to add there uh, in, in Clark's spot, but I think they're comfortable with who they got. I'm not too comfortable with having Tyler Lancaster back there. Um, but I, I, I really don't know. I don't know if it's a cap space or what it is. Because I don't think snacks would be that expensive, especially on a one-year veteran deal. Right. And on the offensive side of the ball, I really think we need to call up Jared Veldier. You know what? I actually, actually, got a, a um a call from Dallas because their offensive line is freaking demolished right now at the moment. Actually, I need to correct myself. The Packers did reach out to Damon Snacks Harrison. It's just Snacks doesn't know if he wants to play this year or not. You know that? Did he really? Yeah. Oh wow! So that you know, they, that that goes to show that Brian Gutekinds is willing to bring in the players, but in the situation and time right now, a lot of players are opting out. Like Devin Funches, I I was really excited to see him play this year, and sure enough, with the situation that we're dealing with, this pandemic, he opted out. But uh, I don't blame most of these players for opting out. You know, your your safety is the number one thing, as well as your families. Exactly. These people have kids, and we shouldn't hold it against them, honestly. Exactly. I, I, I have a few uh, Packer buddies out here in Cali, and they're like, oh, my God, why did we sign this fool if all he's going to do is opt out? Well, we still will have him until next year. Technically, his contract won't expire at all. It, it will actually move forward to next year. So we have a lot to look forward to with Devin Funches next year. Yeah, I agree completely. So – I mean, moving forward from the defense, talk about the offensive um, injuries. You know, Lane Taylor, man, he's out for the season with a knee injury. Um, this is a huge blow to the offensive line. As much as a lot of us Packer fans were asking for his head, uh, you know, for him to be cut and fired, let go, whatever the case was, he actually was the star in training camp this this offseason. Um, he took a pay cut to stay with the Packers and – he looked pretty strong, and it was an unfortunate situation where he's now out for the season, and who knows if the Packers will bring him back. But what are, what were your thoughts, man, with him in training camp and in, in week one? I was happy to hear what I was hearing about him in training camp because um, essentially 
due to his injury from last year, he kind of lost his job to Elton Jenkins. Um, But I was looking forward to seeing him at right guard with Elton at left guard, obviously. And then Billy Turner um, was supposed to be our right tackle, but he's hurt right now. So essentially, um, we're going to be if he's ready to play, because I heard that Billy was limited in participation. So he's participating in practice. Um, So I think what we're going to have is Bakhtiari at left tackle, best left tackle in the game. Don't at me. Right. Elton Jenkins, Corey Lindsley, um, Billy Turner, if he's ready to play, and then Rick Wagner at right tackle. And you know what? And this is why I love Brian Gutekind. A lot of people question his decision-making when it came to choosing Elton Jenkins. And Elton Jenkins provided versatility and showcased why he was chosen at the number he was. He can play any, any spot on the offensive line. He showcased that. He went from right tackle to right guard to left ta- uh, a left guard. This guy can do it all. And yeah. you, then you got a guy like John uh, John Runyon, I believe it was. Our, our, yeah, he looked he looked pretty comfortable out there. Um, the thing that I notice when I talk when I scout offensive line is if their name is not being said, then that's a good thing. And he was a guy that I really didn't see us drafting because you know. We had a lot of key players, you know, when we uh, had our mock drafts going on back then. Um, big name offensive linemen, and they kept going and going in the draft, and you're just sitting there like, wow, are the Packers really not going to pick, a, you know, this guy up? But sure enough, I mean, he looked comfortable. He looked great. He handled the pressure pretty well. That offensive line, even with all the injuries that we had, didn't allow a single sack. Exactly. And that just really shows – one, how good this scheme is that Matt LaFleur has devised. And two, Aaron Rodgers still got wheels. Exactly. And, and, and you know, real quick, I do want to bring up um, some good news about the offensive line. Billy Turner and Lucas Patrick have been uh, in practice. They've been looking good. Lucas Patrick is not going to miss any significant time. Neither is Billy Turner, which is great for the offensive line. Uh, but it, it also goes to show that Gudikins had a feeling. You know, we lost a guy like um, Bulaga. Bulaga to the free agency. He went to the Chargers, and he brought in great depth. Yeah, he did, for sure. I mean, he drafted three offensive linemen at the end of the draft. Um, Simon Stepanek... Um, He was pretty good at my alma mater of Indiana University, but I believe he's injured at the moment. Uh, Yeah, he he is injured, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jake Hansen, I liked him a lot at Oregon. I think he could be good insurance if we're not able to reach a deal with Corey Lindsley after this season. And he's another player that's very versatile as well. I, I, I watched some of his tape. I really liked his versatility. I think he only allowed one sack if I'm right in Oregon maybe two I gotta correct myself I'll look back at it but he's a great piece to have as well I I, I out of all the three linemen we, we drafted they're all great but I really like John Runyon um, yeah Runyon's great I mean he's got the bloodline too 
Definitely, his, but his um, dad, his dad being a former NFL offensive lineman as well. Oh no way! Who's his father? John Runyon Senior. Oh, oh damn! Yeah, what, what's yeah, he he the Eagles? Oh, damn! <laughs> I didn't even know that. That's crazy. Yep. So I do want to go ahead and take a little break, and when we come back, let's go. T- let's go ahead and talk about the keys to victory, and we'll move forward from there. So stay tuned, guys. We'll, me and Nick Fargo will be right back. Okay, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. Me and Nick Fargo already recapped week one, the offense, the defense. We talked about injuries. Now it's time for the keys to victory, Nick. Going into this game, this is the Packers' first home game. How excited are you for the Packers to be back at Lambeau Field, the frozen tundra, title town? Green Bay. It's going to feel weird without fans being there because for the first two games, at least there will not be fans at Lambeau field, which is going to again, look very weird. And that's the very sad part, man. Us fans cannot be there to root for our pack, but we will be there spiritually. There won't be any Lambeau leaps. Actually there might be Lambeau leaps, but it won't be the same. Um, I'm really excited to see the Packers at home. Uh, this is going to be a game that's going to come down to the wire. As much as I know we're going to beat the Lions, Matthew Stafford is still a great quarterback. Um, Nick, what are your keys to victory as the Packers host the Detroit Lions this Sunday in Green Bay? My main key to victory is to not, if you have a lead, do not take your foot off the gas pedal here. Um, Detroit always manages to play us close, I've noticed. And you got to get going immediately. Because last year, we've had, we had to come back in both games. I would like to not have to do that. Thank you. I totally agree with you. Um, Matthew Stafford likes to make those fourth quarter comebacks. We owe, you know, this is the thing about the Packers. It's, it's not Packers football if you're not ready to have a heart attack. Because the Packers put us in weird situations where it's like they have this lead and they get too comfortable and the team that we're facing always comes back. It's something that you can't afford, especially a division rival, because those games truly do matter, believe it or not. Um, I agree with you. I I 100% agree with you. All gas, no fucking breaks, as Matt LaFleur once said, as the Packers, um, that's pretty much their whole uh, motto for last year, and that should be the same thing going into this year. Um, My keys to victory here is taking advantage of the Lions defense. Same situation, different opponent. I mean, the Vikings are inexperienced. They were banged up. Key uh, player, Daniel Hunter, was out. Uh, Xavier Rhodes is gone. Everson Griffin was gone. So who do they really have? In this situation, the Lions' defense is just all over the place. You got Justin Comey, who's an IR. Desmond Trufant, who's uh, expected not to play. You got Daryl Roberts, who's questionable. And then Jeff Okuda, who's just returning from injuries. So this will be his first official NFL start. So I expect a big day for the offense once again. I think Rodgers and the offense will be clicking all over the field, take advantage of those corners back there, and, and release the ball quickly. Yeah, I agree completely. And also, um, a key is Adrian Peterson now plays for the Lions. And even at his old age, he can still pound that ball. 
That's so, so we, crazy that you say that because that's literally my key, my next key to victory. Yeah, Adrian Peterson can still run the ball effectively, and run defense has been a problem with us for a while. I know a lot of people want to say run defense is not important in today's NFL. I beg to differ. We need a good balance of pass defense and run defense. Totally agree. I mean, one thing that I noticed is that Adrian Peterson always gives us a damn problem, no matter what team he's with. Always rushes for over 100 yards. Always has a pair of touchdowns, maybe even less, maybe one. But he always gives us an issue. And, you know, against the Bears, he had 14 carries for 83 yards. Not the best, but still impressive, you know, coming back from, you know, the team he was playing with. But the Packers defense gave up 134 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. That's something we cannot afford. Um, That Vikings game really gave me flashbacks. You know, even though we contained Cook under 50 yards, it still seemed like he was just all over the field on the ground. Um, It really reminded me of the NFC Championship game when Raheem Mostar just demolished us piece by piece. And and that's something we cannot afford uh, moving forward when we face a team like the Saints with Alvin Kamara uh, and, and, and other teams that really depend on the run. But the difference from last year is if we – if week one gave us any sort of preview for what the rest of the season will be like, our offense, if we have a lead, will add on to their lead instead of staying comfortable and our defense having to be counted on. Right. And and that's like, how- because, because what I was noticing, yeah, the Vikings were scoring, but we were also scoring. The Vikings defense couldn't make that stop to truly put momentum on their side. Right. And that's something that Mike Zimmerman, I mean, really hasn't done. He would always make adjustments. Think about last year. He made adjustments when we started off at the at the score of 21 to 0, where it looked like we we're gonna completely blow them out. And he made second half adjustments, and this time it seems like he couldn't do a, a, a damn thing to stop us. Exactly. Now, do you think that Matt Patricia is going to have a factor going into this game? Because you got to think about it. he was a uh, he was a defensive coordinator, right? With the with the Lions, oh, correct. Right, uh, with the with the Patriots, right? Correct. But if you look at his track record, and also the Belichick tree is one of failure. I'm I'm just gonna say that. Like, it has not gone well. Right. And uh, Patricia, it's not just his scheme. Well, it kind of is because he doesn't know what he wants to run. He doesn't know if he wants to run a 3-4. He doesn't know if he wants to run a 4-3. He, it's a mixture. And while it's good to throw different things out there, it's also confusing for your players as well, especially your young guys. Exactly. I totally agree with you. So do you think he will have a factor in this matchup or is it just all going to depend on the team? It's going to depend on the team, honestly, because Patricia in three years, he hasn't really done that well at all. (laughs) And I know a lot, a lot of lion fans really, (laughs) they don't want Matt Patricia there. And, And I know a lot of people at the time were like, Oh my God, 
this is the next Patriots dynasty. The Lions would be the next big thing. But let's be real, the Lions are doing jack shit any anytime soon. Yeah, it's a failure of an organization, honestly. Um, <laughs> the Ford family needs to sell the team. If and I know plenty of Lions fans who think the same thing, like Craig Jockman. I mean, <laughs> oh my God, man, be smores. Have you seen their their stuff lately? They're just they're just fed up with this team. Oh yeah, I notice. <laughs> it's just like us with Mike McCarthy at the time. It's like holy shit. I mean, isn't it? My crazy? my thing is they were begging. Um, oh, what's his name? <sighs> The coach before Patricia. Uh, he used to coach the Colts as well. Wasn't it Bob something, right? Uh, no, no. Jim Bob Cooter was their um, offensive coordinator. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, what was his name? Uh, Caldwell. Jim Caldwell. Oh, Jim. Oh, my God. Everyone hated Jim Caldwell. But the thing is, he led them to nine and seven seasons and to the playoffs. Right. Like, this guy got you to playoff games. And now look. Like, like that that's what happens when you complain and you get something you want and then look how it backfired on them. Yeah. You got to be careful what you wish for. Exactly. I mean, look at us now. I mean, yeah, Mike McCarthy led us to a Super Bowl. He led us to... Multiple playoffs. He won as a division, but there the was problem nothing. is McCarthy's message became stale, right? And sometimes there comes a time where you just have to say goodbye. And I think that's the, that's the problem with Mike McCarthy. Um, this guy, he just had that same offense. I mean, Rogers would. <sighs> I, I really don't want to talk about it. I just hate Mike McCarthy right now for, for certain things, for not wanting to change up the offense and stuff. You know, I'm grateful for Mike McCarthy and stuff, you know, helping us win the Super Bowl and winning us the, the NFC North and winning us games. is just his play calling became stale, like you said. It was just defenses would, be, would know what we're doing. And it's like, bro, Aaron Rodgers couldn't do anything. He wouldn't establish the run. He wouldn't do anything. And it's like Matt LaFleur came in first year, established the run so – Heavily, and it's because he comes from a team like the Titans, you know, uh, with the Falcons, you know. So he really picked up from each team he was with, um, and and utilized that to create what this offense is now. I agree completely. And um, Lafleur, he comes from the Shanahan tree, and um, we see what that's like with teams like San Francisco, and. Um, for the most part, like it got them to the Super Bowl. Right, exactly. So, Nick, going into this game, we talked about our keys to victory. Um, what is your game score prediction after week two? Okay, so I have us winning, and I have us winning by a score. Of 31 to 20. Yeah, yes. Okay, I have us at a score of 35 (laughs) to 21. Okay. I think this is going to be, like I said, Matthew Stafford, he's a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. He has weapons, man. 
he has a guy like you know Danny uh what was his name Danny Amendola Amendola then he has a guy like T.J. Hawkinson he has Adrian Peterson he has the weapons around him I think he's gonna Marvin Jones exactly Galladay I think he might be in the game yeah I haven't heard too much of whether Galladay will play or not I think he's questionable at the moment but okay uh he has the weapons around him unlike right who really depended on Thielen, Rudolph was quiet. Cook was there. Um, Justin Jefferson was quiet that game. But he has the weapons around him. I think he's going to be the problem here. I think Matthew Stafford will be the one that gives the issue. Um, I think the run game really going to fuck us over uh, with a guy like Kenny Clark out. Uh, ho- hopefully, Mike Pettin really makes those adjustments, knowing that Kenny Clark isn't going to play. And he does his best to set up a scheme where we stop Peterson and force um, – for Stafford to throw. You know, you get that pressure on him, he's going to make mistakes. This is a game where the Packers have it in their hand. Hopefully it's a blowout. I would love to see the Packers blow the Lions out completely. But Oh yeah, I would I would love a stress-free game. If the offensive line protects Rodgers, you establish the run game early on, you force another uh Rodgers uh you force Rodgers to go ahead and have an off uh an offense like that again. I mean, damn, dude, this this could easily be a 40 plus game oh yeah no doubt and if the defense really does their job this this time they pick it up they realize they made some uh, few mistakes and pick that up they can shut they can shut that offense down because easily we have a really great trio with uh, Rashawn Gary Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith you have we have great corners with Jair Kevin King Chandon Sullivan who had a great training camp and he's looking pretty good then you got our safeties with uh, Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos. I mean, this defense is stacked, and I think we have all the keys to win this game. It's just a matter of executing. I completely agree. The talent is there. It's just execution. Totally. So, Nick, before we wrap things up, is there anything else you want to say or you want to touch upon um, before we uh, part ways and, and watch this game on Sunday? Um. Stay safe out there, guys. We're still in a pandemic. Wear your mask. Um, glad that football's happening. And uh, go pack, go. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Go pack, go. Wear your mask, please. For the love of Christ, whatever you believe in, cover your damn nose and your mouth. Cover everything. I'm sick and tired of seeing people cover one part. It's it's everything needs to be covered. Your nose and your mouth, please. Um, go pack, go, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned because I will be giving you a game recap after this matchup. Nick, thank you so much for taking your time to join me on the podcast. We'd love to have you back. I know uh, a lot of people actually been wondering where you've been since you haven't been making YouTube videos, I believe. I know you do your streams and stuff, but a lot of people missed you, man. Uh, So hopefully we'll see you again in the next episode. Um, But, yeah, good uh, hearing from you, brother. Um, Anything else you want to say before we go? All I got to say is thanks for having me, and go Pack Go. That's right. Go Pack Go. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find me on Instagram at Packer Fanatic Official. I'm also on YouTube at Packer Fanatic Official. And thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you guys in the next episode or video, depending on what you're listening to. Thank you so much. Take care. Peace.